invite you to pull out your message notes. We're in this series. It's out of the book by Pastor Andy Stanley, The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating. And I think this should be required reading for every single person in our church, every teenager in our church. If, you, if you're a parent of, of single people or teenagers that are sixth grade and up, you need to get them a copy of this book. You just tell them right now that if you ever want to get married and have me pay for it, you're going to read this book. Like, I'm not paying for a wedding if you're not going to read this book. Like, this is, this is required reading. And it'll help you go deeper into kind of the material and some of the stuff we're going to be talking about uh, last week, this week, and the next uh, couple weeks coming up. And, and I kind of theme the series around this scripture in Romans chapter 12, where Paul says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And unfortunately, this is what a lot of Christianity looks like today. A lot of Christians have bought into culture's way of doing things, and as a result, we're getting the same results as culture. For example, you look at the area of marriage and divorce in America today, and the church's statistics are just about the same as the world's statistics. Why? Because we've adjusted to culture. We bought into culture's way of doing things. We're doing it like the world does it, and we're getting the same results because we're not doing it any differently and there's another way to do it it's not just that god has a different way to do it it's that the way the world does it doesn't work it would be one thing if we could debate like okay here's the pros and cons of each the reality is there is no pro for the world way of doing it god's way works so paul goes on to challenge us let god transform you and this is the goal of the series into a new person by changing the way you think i want you to think differently I want you to think differently about love, sex, and dating. I want you to buy into some new ways of doing it. And we call it the new rules, but really it's not new rules, it's old rules. It's rules that have been around for thousands of years. We just have forgotten them for so long that they sound new to us today. And you may be thinking, why in the world are we spending like all this time talking to single people in a church full of married people? Well, the reason we're doing this is because I've talked to a lot of married people. And I've heard the horror stories. I've seen the heartache. I've seen the, the tragedy. I've seen just the, the, just the carnage of what has happened when people have done it the wrong way. And I want to warn the single people in our church. I want to help the single people understand in our church that you get a chance to do this right. Like You don't have to do it the way you've seen it done. Some of you have given up on marriage because you think, you know, it's like, you know, I've seen married people problems and I've seen single people problems. I'd rather just deal with single people problems. It just looks like a lot easier. And I want you to have hope that marriage can be awesome. Marriage can be incredible. Marriage, if done right, can be one of the most wonderful incredible things in your life and there's hope for you and even if you're here today and you're married or you're divorced and and, and and you're married and you're just in a really ugly situation you need to know that God can turn things around God God can come in with his grace no matter where you're currently at today and he can turn some stuff around for you and the problem is in the world that we live in, we don't hear any good stories about marriage. We only hear the bad stories about marriage because they're exciting, they're dramatic. They're, there's energy, like no one does reality television shows about a happy marriage because it would be boring. I mean, they just get along all the time and it's just, you know, it's just they're so good to each other. It's like nobody wants to watch that on television. So we ended last week with this question, are you who? Are you who single people? This is for you. Are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? 
Like, are you becoming, are you, like, you have this idea of a person you're looking for. Like, you've got this, you know, qualities you want to find in the person of your dreams and who you want them to be. The question is, if you actually met the person of your dreams right now, would they be attracted to you? Are you who the person you're looking for is actually looking for? Because here's what many of the married people uh, that have made mistakes that, that are sitting here today could attest to, they bought into a lie. And we talked about it last week. It's called the right person myth. And, and the myth goes, if I meet the right person, everything's going to be all right. And so that's what a lot of the married people here did, is they, they, they looked for the right person. Because if I meet the right person, I don't need to work on relationship skills. Like if I meet the right person, I don't need patience and I don't need kindness because they're never going to do anything to make me have to be patient or to make me have to be kind because they're the right person. And you know how they knew that they met the right person? They had chemistry, like they had a song and, and they had feelings and there was chemistry. And, and that's how they knew is they had all this, this chemistry and these feelings for each other. And then now what we have in America is we've got all these chemistry experiments gone wrong. And it's just like literally just just a mess right now because these people thought if, if I meet the right person I don't need relationship and so they get married and all they had was chemistry and now the very thing that made them believe they were right for each other the very thing that pulled them together and attracted them this this chemistry because they don't know relationship it's beginning to die and beginning to fade and, and, and here's what's happening in marriages around America the past is sneaking into their present and it's starting to destroy their future and single people, this is the truth from last week. This moment in time that you're currently living in is your present. And in a very short while from now, this present moment of your life is going to be your past. And the problem with your past is it has this nasty habit of showing up at the most inopportune time and your future, and this is destroying America's because we have all these, these people with single people problems who get married and they bring single people problems and now they've got a troubled marriage because their past is showing up, destroying their future. And so we, we began last week by giving you some didn't you knows. Didn't you know? Didn't 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 you see it? You know, wasn't it obvious? Didn't anybody ever tell you this or tell you that? And what I've discovered is common sense isn't that common at all. So I want to give you some more didn't you knows today. Uh, and, and last week, I, I gave you this list from 1 Corinthians 13, and I said, why don't you memorize this? Why don't you make this the goal of not who you're looking for? Like, I know this is what you want. Like, you want to marry somebody who's patient with you, and you want to marry somebody who's kind. Like, like, this is what you want, but why don't you make this the goal of who you become? Why don't you make this who you want to be? Because if, if you spend some time making this who you want to be, you'll almost always protect yourself of marrying somebody who's not like this and getting into another ugly situation. So let's, let's go back to, to last week for a moment. And, and, and Paul ends this love chapter in the most unusual way. And Paul says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But... When I grew up, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And this is what I want to talk about 
today. Because last week, we, we looked at children's stories. You look at every Disney movie. How does every children's story end? And they lived happily ever after. Because the way a child thinks, the way a child reasons, the way a child talks is if I just get the two right people together. Like if, if the prince and the princess can get together and overcome the dragon and the wicked witch and the evil stepmom, they're going to live happily ever after. And they don't need to know how relationship because they're never going to fight and everything's going to be perfect. And, the right, and that's the way children think. Well, what I want to challenge you to do today is I want you to put the ways of childhood behind you. Uh, I want you to stop buying into that fairy tale, that right person myth. And so what I want to do specifically today is I want to talk to the men. Paul says, when I became a man, I want to talk to the men. So ladies, you can have kind of a week off. So you can just kind of like zone out right now, pull out your phone, start playing Candy Crush, whatever you want to do. Um, I just want to talk to the men for a few moments. Now, you may want to pay attention because I think you're going to you know, appreciate some of this. But this is going to be geared at the men today. And this is not a male bashing message. I do not believe in bashing men. Uh, we live in a culture, you know, you watch sitcoms today and we love to make fun of men and bash men. And men are Neanderthals and they're idiots and they're, they're stupid and, and everything. I don't believe that at all. I believe as men, we are created to be men of honor, men of integrity, men of character. I don't believe we have to buy in to the world's view of who we are and who we're supposed to be and the way we're supposed to live our life. I think there's a different standard for men, and I want to talk to you about that. Because even in the culture we live in, as progressive as it is and as much as the feminists have accomplished today, men still set the pace for relationships today. Like We still kind of control relationships, and so consequently... There's a lot of responsibility on our shoulders. And so what I want to deal with today is how, as a man, are we supposed to view and treat women? Not just the women we date, but including the women we date. Not just the woman we're married to, but including the woman we're married to. And this is going to be a challenge because we live in a culture that, that has taught us to think a certain way about women and taught us to treat women a certain way and view women a certain way. And here's, here's kind of you know, where we're at in culture. Women are viewed, presented, talked about, and sung about like a commodity. That's what we're being taught in our culture. Every song, every billboard, every advertisement, this is what is coming in constantly we're inundated with this message now what is a commodity a commodity is something that you attach a value to you're not attached to a commodity the commodity has a value attached to it and you use a commodity for a while and then when you're done with it you can trade it or exchange it or do whatever you want with it because it's a commodity and this is the message that we're getting from our culture today, from women. And I don't fault women for it because, you know, we, we actually pay them very well to sell this message to us. And the message that is being sold is take me, use me, do whatever you want with me, and then when you're done, discard me or, or, or trade me in for, for a different version. And that's the message that's coming through today. And so single people, I want, I want every teenager, every single person here today to listen to me because this, I'm not, I, I cannot exaggerate this enough in the world that we live in. There are married men sitting here today who would say, I wish somebody would have told me that. And I'm one of them. Like I, there, a lot of stuff I'm teaching today, I wish somebody would have loved me enough when I was a teenager to teach me this. But unfortunately, I went to a church that didn't talk about stuff like this. I went to a church that had cute little sermonettes and they never really got dirty and never really like went, you know, 
to the edge and to where people are actually living in the darkness and the, 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 the stuff that we struggle with and deal with. And so I just decided that I love you enough to go here. I love you enough to make you a little bit uncomfortable today, to, to go to some places that, that aren't going to be easy for you and give you some of the didn't you knows. Didn't anybody tell you? Couldn't you have seen that? Kind? And if you'll listen and pay attention to me, single people, I'm going to set you up for life. I'm going to set you up for life. I'm going to set you up for incredible relationships in the future. But we're going to have to learn how as a man in the world that we live in today, how are we supposed to treat and view women? And some of the things I'm going to say are going to fly in the face of culture. Like you're, you're going to look at me here and say, that, that's old-fashioned. I mean, people don't do that anymore. I mean, that's, that, that, that's, that's archaic. And honestly, there's some truth to what you're saying. It is, it is going to sound a little old-fashioned. But, but here's the thing. When these ideas that I'm going to share with you were first introduced, like, like when Paul and Jesus and Peter first said these things in, in that first century culture. See, we, we think these are challenging today. Like we think these, these are some tough things today to deal with. They were shocking back then. I mean, it was a showstopper. I mean, this, this was the most staggering stuff you could tell first century men. Like, you don't build a religion on this stuff. No man is going to show up. No, that's why I know Christianity is real, because no man would ever wrote this stuff. Like, especially during that culture. See, we, we today, we view women as a commodity, and we treat women as a commodity. In the first century, they actually were a commodity. They weren't just treated like a commodity. They were a commodity prostitution was legal and it was encouraged in this greek and roman culture you could be a slave owner and the wealthier you were meant the more slaves that you own the more female slaves that you own and you could do anything you wanted with a female slave including use her sexually abuse her beat her put her to death if you wanted to in this world nobody wanted baby girls Baby girls were worthless. That, that's why there was an epidemic in, in these, these early centuries of people taking baby girls and throwing them into the rivers because they didn't want them. Women had no value. They couldn't testify in court because a woman's word was suspect. You couldn't trust a woman because she was a woman. This is the world. Men use prostitutes as birth control because in this world, the Romans would only allow you to have one wife. And so you would have one wife and many mistresses because you didn't want to have more than one child because the more children you had, the more inheritance would be, you know, that your estate would have to be divided up and your inheritance would be divided up. So men would have a child with their wife and then they would never be intimate with their wife again. And, and prostitution was encouraged and it was a form of birth control. It got so bad during this world. That twice during the first century, bills came before the Roman Senate trying to mandate marriage. Because upper class Roman men wanted nothing. Because I can sleep with whoever I want. I can, why do I want the hassle of marriage? Like I can have as much sex as I want. Why do I want to be tied down? I'll just live however I want to live. And when I get older, then I'll just find kind of a responsible young man. And I'll, I'll, I'll adopt him legally as my son. And I'll leave him my inheritance. So why go through the hassle of marriage. This is the world we're talking about. Like, I hope you can grasp and understand. This is, we, we, we can't even understand this world, the way women were treated and viewed, and, and they were commodity, and they were like cattle to people. And into this world that, that, that we, we can't even imagine, Jesus speaks, and the Apostle Paul speaks, and Peter speaks, and what they had to say about women like, we're like, yeah, I think I've heard that before, and yeah, that's a good idea, and you know, that's, that's, you know, that's, everybody knows that. 
what they had to say in this culture would have been so shocking. Like, you don't start a religion with this stuff. Nobody's, and this is why in the first century, women loved Christianity. I mean, women flocked to Christianity because it was the first religion in the world that made them equals, that gave them value, that, that elevated their position in life. And Jesus started the whole thing by saying, guys, I'm going to give you this new command. Write it down. New command I give you, love one another. To which I can imagine one of the disciples asking the question, even the women? Yes, even the women. Uh, you talking romantically? No, 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 no. Love one another as I have loved you. That's how I want you to treat them. I want you to treat women the way I treated you. I want you to treat everyone. You must love one another. I want you to give equal honor, equal love, equal respect, equal courtesy, regardless of who they are. And then he goes on to say, this is such a big deal to Jesus. He says, by this, by this, by, by, by the way you treat one another, by the way you treat other people, by the way you treat women, by the way you treat, you know, people of different social classes and standards and nationalities and color, by this, everyone will know whether or not you're my disciples, your love for one another. So Jesus says to this culture, uh, you know, and to the men, this should have been like, like, just, what do you say? You can't say this, Jesus. This is going to kill us. Like, this is never going to work. He's saying, listen, I, w- I want you to give this type of honor, this type of respect, regardless of their sex, regardless of their background, which means, men, th- th- what this means for us today is that every woman you ever meet, every woman that you're ever eyeball to eyeball with, whether it's at work, whether it's at a coffee shop, whether it's at a gym, in your neighborhood, your wife, your sister, your mom, your friend's wife, Every woman you are ever eyeball to eyeball with, you are to love her, respect her, treat her the way Jesus treated you. Can can you sense for a moment how disturbing this would have been to the men of this culture? Who were taught and trained and viewed life a certain way and how radical this would have been. And then Paul comes along and he makes it worse because he kind of, he really puts it into context. Like, if it, if it wasn't bad enough what Jesus says, Paul takes it to another level, and he says, Husbands, love your wives. Paul, you don't even know my wife. Like, they're women, Paul. I mean, that, that, that's not, I mean, what are you trying to say? Love your wives. And then he goes on to say, just as Christ loved the church, and I'm sure the men were thinking, Paul, Jesus gave his life for the church. Are you trying to tell me that's the way I'm supposed to treat my wife? Yes. That's tough. I mean, that's not the way we were trained. That's not how we grew up. I mean, I mean Paul, do, do you realize that we're men? In our world here in the first century, Paul, men don't give, we take. We're bigger, we're stronger, we take whatever we want, we take from whoever we want. And I'm supposed to, to, to give to my wife the way Jesus gave himself to the world? Yes. That's new. That's, that's, that's radical, Paul. Single guys, this is what it means to be a Christian man. This is what it means to be a man of honor. And then, and then Peter comes along, and, and if it wasn't bad enough what Paul just said, Peter makes it ten times worse with what Peter's about to say. Like, this is so shocking to this culture. Like, this is just so radical and foreign. And Peter, like, 
he, he was with Jesus. Peter, like, walked around with Jesus for three years. Peter saw the way Jesus treated women, the way Jesus talked to women. Peter was there the day they came up, and Jesus is sitting at the well talking to a Samaritan woman. I mean, bad enough that she's a woman, but she's a Samaritan. She's got a past. And in this world, you don't talk to women. Why? Because they're women. They're like non-people. Like, like as a guy, you don't go talk to a woman in public. I mean, you just don't do that. And, and, here, and, and not only that, but Jesus is going to drink out of the same jar as the Samaritan woman with the past. I mean, Jesus, you don't do that. And Peter saw it. Peter, Peter lived with you. He saw the way Jesus responded to women. And so Peter writes to Christian men, again, uh, who grew up in a culture where they were trained and they were taught to view and treat women like a commodity. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, husbands. In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Peter, you're writing the Bible. Doesn't everyone know that? I mean, come on, Peter, don't tell us something we already know. I mean, give us something new. Give us, give us something. I mean, doesn't everyone just, just un- know? See, the reality is Peter had to say it because that's not the way they lived. That wasn't common knowledge. This wasn't understood in that culture, in that age. Peter had to say it, to which the guys are still thinking. But, but Peter, they're women. I mean, I mean, my wife, she's a woman. I mean, what do you, what do you say? Let me give you a better translation. This word respect is the Greek word aponeme, and it means husbands in the same way be considerate and treat them with respect, or, or here's what it means in the Greek, grant or assign them honor. Now, let me explain something about this. This is the only time in the New Testament this Greek word was used. When that happens, oftentimes it's because the author wanted to say something to stand out. He, he wanted to say something that they would take notice of. They, he wanted to say something that, that would kind of jolt their senses. And he's saying, listen, I want every woman, I want you to ascribe to her honor, your wife ascribe to her, attribute to her honor, honor, to which the guys are thinking a lot like, you know, the guys that are reading this in the first century, they're thinking a lot like you right now. You're thinking, but my wife's not honorable. Like, she's just not honorable. You know, listen, we don't honor people because they're honorable. We honor people because we're honorable. When you dishonor somebody, when you badmouth them, like we love to do this in politics, when you badmouth somebody, you're not exposing who they are. You're actually exposing your character. You're exposing who you are. Like we see it on Facebook all the time, these Christian guys that badmouth everything in politics. They're not exposing what's going on. They're just exposing their character as not being a man of honor. Because as a man of honor, we give honor not because somebody's honorable. We give honor because we're honorable. That's how honor works. Honor is when you you, you hold an esteem. You, You treat it as it's precious. And they're thinking, man, but he's never met our wife. So Peter goes on to say, as the weaker partner. Now, women don't get offended at this. All this means is that your husband can probably beat you in an arm wrestling match. That's all that means. And what's really sad and unfortunate today is the feminists have taken this one verse completely out of context, not understanding the culture of the first century, and used this as a scripture to say, well, see, the Bible's repressive to women, and the Bible is, you know, holds women down. When actually, if you really study this in context and with the culture of this day and age, He's saying the exact opposite. 
See, again, you have to understand the first century world. If you want to know what was right and wrong in the first century, you find the strongest, most powerful person. They decided what was right and wrong. Like, there was no sense of equality. There was no sense of justice. There was no, like, sense in fairness. Whoever was the strongest, whoever had the most power, whoever had the most might, they decided what was right and wrong, and that was true in marriage. And so Peter is saying, guys, if you're a Christian man, this is a new day, this is a new age, you are not to use your power for your sake, your strength for your sake, but you're to leverage your power for those who do not have it. In other words, what Peter is saying is if you're married, your responsibility as a Christian man is to leverage your strength, leverage your power for her sake. And these guys are still thinking, but Peter needs to meet my wife. Like, he's never met my wife. How can he say that? He's never met my wife. And then Peter shuts them all down. And he ends the debate with this next statement. This next statement is one of the most shocking verses literally in the entire New Testament to these first century, you know, culture men, Peter goes on to say, as heirs, as heirs, this word right here, heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Peter ends the debate that they are equal. They are joint heirs. They are just as valuable to the father as you are. Jesus didn't just die for the men, but Jesus died for the women too. Her father is God. She is a joint heir. You are not superior to women. Jesus shed his blood as much for her as he shed his blood for you. And this would have been tough for these first century men to swallow. That's why Peter had to say it this strong. It's as if anytime you're with a woman in any situation, God is like sitting on the front porch polishing his gun. Or cleaning his lightning bolt. And he's watching the way you treat her. He's watching the way you look at her. He's watching whether or not you respect her. This is a huge deal to God. Do you realize how big this is to God? Peter goes on to say under the inspiration of God that if you don't get this right, God won't answer your prayers, men. I want you to think about that. If you don't get this right, he says, husbands, your prayers aren't going to be answered. Look at it. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. This is huge to God. Which means every woman you come out, the girl that you're attracted to, single people, the girl you're not attracted to, the girl that looks like she'd just be a lot of fun and easy, and then you can kind of like, you know, date her for a while and then kind of move on to somebody else more serious. Every category of woman you ever meet in your life, you have a responsibility to the father because they are his daughter to honor them and treat them with respect. And and I want to tell you, single people, you need to practice this now. You need to practice this now before you meet the girl that you want to spend your life with because there are married men here today who didn't know this. And they thought I could date like a slave owner and I can treat women however I want to treat women. And when I find the right person and get to the place where I, where I want to settle down with the, with the right person, all I got to do is put a tuxedo on and say I do. And then all of a sudden, magically, I'll know how to treat women. And what they realized is nothing changed because they got married. The way they viewed women didn't change. The way they treated women didn't change. So you have a chance to practice this now. So I want to give you a couple things on 
what you can do, the challenge, the practical takeaway. So I'm going to give you two things, and you know, we, we, we dealt with this in Paul's opening scripture in Romans, renew your mind to think differently. Here's the key. I want you to think differently about women. I want you to think differently about love, sex, and dating. And then the second thing I need you to do is I need you to make up your mind to behave differently. As men, I want you to think differently in regards to women, and I want you to behave differently in regards to women. Because, again, common sense isn't common. We've been taught to treat, to view, to behave a certain way from the culture we live in, and I want to change that. So in this final few moments, let's talk about renewing our mind. And, and here, here's the question that I want to ask you today. What do you entertain yourself with? What are you allowing into your mind? What, what are you enjoying? What, what are you entertaining yourself with? And I wrestled this week on whether I should say this or not, what I'm about to say, and because I know it's at risk of offending a few people. Uh, but I want you to know what I'm about to say, it's not for shock effect. I'm not trying to shock you. It's, it's not the point. The point is I need to be very clear with you for a moment. I, I need to be very clear and very honest. Men, single men, married men, men, if you have any music right now on your playlist that refers to a woman as a bitch or a whore, you need to erase it today, forever, forever. That is not entertainment. If it's part of your vocabulary, you need to eliminate it from your vocabulary today. And I'm very, very serious, because if you study the history of this world, if you look at any genocide that has ever taken place, and you look at any amount of slavery that we have ever seen in this world, it always started with a name, a name that was used to dehumanize another group of people. You look at the Rwandan massacre, the Hoodoo decided that the Tutsis were cockroaches, and they called them cockroaches, they're cockroaches, they're cockroaches, to the point where it gave them permission to treat them like cockroaches and exterminate them. You look at the Nazis, they called Jewish women whores and Jewish men uh, rats and they're whores and they're rats and they called on that and they said it and they put it in cartoons and comic strips and it brought them to the point where they allowed themselves to treat them that way so if you entertain yourself with this stuff and you use this type of language eventually you're going to give yourself permission to treat women that way and so it needs to be gone you need to get rid of it And, and if any culture should be intolerant to this it should be America Because we're just as guilty. We did this with Native Americans. We did this through slavery time periods. We did this during the civil rights period. We should be so intolerant to this type of stuff. Because if you entertain yourself, you're giving yourself permission to treat them. And and I don't care. I mean, you may come and say, well, that's just entertainment. It's just art. It's just culture. Not all cultures are equal. Christians have never believed that. Any culture that will refer to a woman that way is an inferior culture, and it needs to stop. It needs to stop. And as Christian men, we need to lead the way. We need to lead the way. And I know some of you are like, you're like offended that I use that word in church. I wish you would be offended that people entertain themselves with that word. But you should be more offended that people entertain themselves with that word than I said it. So let's move on. Um, second area. And again, I don't care what Kanye West says. You know, it's not a term of endearment. Uh, it's not. He shouldn't be your role model. Um, moving on, moving on, moving on. Second way we entertain ourselves. Let's talk about erotic imagery. Let's talk about porn, pornography. Let's talk about what we, what we view with our eyes as men. You see, 10, 15 years ago, you didn't have to tell men that you shouldn't sit around all day looking at pictures of naked women. You didn't have to say that. 
I mean, that was kind of understood. People, people got that. Not anymore. Like, we live in a culture today that, that people don't, even Christian men today, really don't see anything wrong with it. It's not a big deal. Nobody's getting hurt. I'm not, I mean, isn't it better that I do that than I'm out doing something else? See, there's a whole section of society that believe that. This is what you need to know. Every time you entertain yourself with that stuff, every time you view those images, you're going to school. You're going to school, and you're, you're learning some lessons. And here's the classes you're taking every time you kind of entertain yourself, whether you're married or whether you're single. These are the classes you're enrolled in. A real body isn't good enough. A real, say, say that with me, man. A real body, come on, I know you're embarrassed. Say it with me. A real body isn't good enough. That's the class you're learning. The next class, one body isn't good enough. A real body isn't good enough. One body isn't good enough. And, and here's a shocker, especially for some of you teenagers. And I want you to hear this loud and clear, teenagers. Your wife's body isn't good enough. And you're saying to yourself, well, I'm not married. Yeah, but you will be one day. And when you get married, you will have learned that lesson. And single people, I'm telling you right now, there are married men who are sitting here right now thinking to themselves, well, that explains a lot. And there are married Women sitting here today, heartbroken, saying to themselves, I knew there was always something up with that. See, because married people thought that, that, that they, they could do this now and it's not going to affect their future. But your past will show up in your future. And we've got married people here today who are so confused on the inside. They don't know what to do. They're, they're just confused. And the problem is they enrolled in this school. They took these classes, whether it's for a couple years or many years of their life. And so I'm telling you right now, single people, teenagers, those of you that are here today, if you want a great relationship down the road one day, the best thing you can do is quit this school, get out of this school, disenroll from this school, and we'll help you. We've designed a church to help people. See, I went to this school, and I've got the scars, and I don't want you to have to carry the scars that I have. I, you know... I damaged my marriage and relationship because of attending this school for years of my life. And I want to tell you, you can get free. You can get out of this school. We'll help you. can't do it by yourself. You're not going to do it on your own. You, you talk to a connect group leader. Talk to somebody. Get honest. Get transparent. You can get out of this school because it will set you up for extraordinary disappointment in your future. And now you think, well, nobody's getting hurt. It's not a big deal. You know, during World War II, the American government thought that there was no big deal with cigarettes. And so they actually supplied as many cigarettes to the American GIs as they wanted. Like, they gave them as many cigarettes as they wanted. All the cigarettes they could, they, they could smoke. And then some research came out a few years later, and people said, uh-oh, that wasn't a great idea. That wasn't good. Well, for years, Christians have said pornography is bad. It's bad for your brain. It's bad for your marriage. It's bad for your life. It's bad for relationships. And the world has laughed at us. The world has said, you're just a bunch of narrow-minded Christians. You're just, you know, you're old-fashioned. You don't know what you're saying. Now there's research coming out. I read it in GQ magazine of all places this week. Research coming out from non-Christian secular people. And they're starting to say, uh-oh. Maybe this wasn't what we thought it was. See, we need to embrace a biblical view of women, every woman we meet. Even the women on those 
video screens. They are God's precious daughters, and we need to view them that way. Because the new research is saying that when you go through this school, when you enroll in this school, you actually deaden your desire for a real woman. And see, here's what single guys think, because this is what I thought. I thought when I was single, I could just binge on this and gorge on this, and I can just do, you know, as much as I wanted, and it was no big deal because nobody was getting hurt, and I'm single, and when I get married, I'm not going to need any of this anymore because now I'll have a real body. But the truth is, a lot of married guys believe that. And after we got married, it didn't get better. It actually got worse, and we went right back here because this will deaden your desire for a real human being but there's hope there's freedom you can get free of this but here's what i want to say like if you're here today and you're single and you're like you know what you know that that's that's great but i'm not going to stop i'm not going to stop this is you know i enjoy it too much this is who i am this is what i want and i'm I'm just not going to get honest i'm not going to deal with this i'm not going to stop here's what i want you to do if you ever plan on getting married if you ever plan on getting engaged uh if if you're dating anyone right now if maybe you even engaged to somebody right now this is what i want you to don't do it this week because they'll put it all together uh but in a couple weeks, take them out to a nice dinner. Honestly, just take them out to a nice dinner. And if you use the kind of word love in your relationship, then just say, you know, like we love each other and you know, we love this relationship. I just need to tell you something. A real female body is never going to do it for me. In fact, one body is never going to do it for me. And the truth is, if we ever get married, your body will never do it for me. I just thought you should know. Now, let me ask you, men, why wouldn't you do that? Honestly, why, why wouldn't you be honest about it? Why wouldn't you at least give her the courtesy of being, if you're going to bring this into your relationship, and we've already established the fact that, that this is going to be a part and it's not going to change, then why wouldn't you give her the courtesy of giving her the opportunity to opt out before you break her heart by leading her to believe she's going to be able to fulfill a desire for you that she's never going to be able to fulfill? So as men of honor, why wouldn't you be honest? Why, why, would, you, why would you hide that? from her any questions have I been clear <laughs> quiet in here all right let, let's move to the next part that's the renewing your mind part like what do you entertain yourself what do you put in your mind let's talk about the doing part and honestly this is going to take just a couple seconds because you know how to do this one I don't need to teach you don't need a class on how to behave you know how to behave so let me give you a word picture I want you to just think for a moment of a woman that you really want to meet because you respect this person. Like it could be like a Margaret Thatcher type figure or a Mother Teresa type figure or, or like, you know, maybe it's a politician or a politician's wife or a great humanitarian Nobel Peace Prize winner. It's just, just a woman that you, you, not somebody you're attracted to, but somebody you respect. Like a woman that's accomplished something and it just, you, you, you admire this person. Now I want you to think for a moment, how would you treat that woman if you ever met her? But you would defer to her. You wouldn't interrupt her in the middle of a story. You wouldn't be like eyeing her and, and, and everything else. You, you would treat her with respect and honor. What Jesus is saying and what Paul is saying is what Peter is saying is I want you to treat every woman in your life that way. I want you to give every woman you ever encounter this honor. That, well, they're not even a Christian. It doesn't matter. They're still God's child. They're still God's precious daughter. Jesus still shed his blood for her. I want you to treat every woman with honor and with respect. And so as we wrap this up, let me just 
say to single people for a moment. Uh, let me give you the best piece of advice I could give you. I, I got this out of Pastor Andy's book. This, this book has really just kind of helped me clarify some things that I felt in my heart and I just really wanted to communicate to you as your pastor. And he, he says something in the book. There's a piece of advice that I just thought was so very powerful for single people. And I've prayed on this for a few weeks and, and thought, you know what? I talked to one of our guys in the last service who just found Christ, and he's struggling with some of this stuff. And, and, and he came up to me, and he said, you know what? I don't want to do it, but, but this piece of advice is really, you know, what I need to do. He said, he was honest, because I don't know if I'm going to do it, because I don't know if I can submit, but honestly, it's what I need to do. And, and here's the piece of advice. I, 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 every single person here, if, if this resonates with you at all, I want to encourage you, take one year off from dating. Just take a year off. Like, get into your calendar. Go to, like, February 21st, 2017. And just in your calendar, February 21st, 2017, write, resume dating. And take a year off and just focus on becoming for a year. And, and here's what's going to happen. Three months into it, you're going to meet the person of your dreams. Three months into it, you're going you're to meet, like, the, the person of your dreams. And you're going to think, was it really a year? Maybe it was just three months or... You know, did I really hear from God on this thing? And, and you just push through. You just push through. You just push through. Because I guarantee if you'll take a year and become what's on this list, you will prevent yourself from marrying somebody who's not. You're not going to wind up in a painful situation. You're not going to wind up in an ugly situation. So again, as we close, Paul says, when I became a man, when I grew up, I put off childhood ways. I'm, I'm challenging you. Put off the childhood ways. Stop thinking like a child. Stop reasoning like a child. Stop talking like a child. And, and single guys, can I tell you, there, there, there's a whole bunch of women who honestly, they don't believe guys like this exist anymore. They really don't. They don't believe guys like this exist. So let me just give you a word of advice. If you get this right, you get it right, you're going to be in such a small category of desirable men, I'm just saying. Would you, would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Here's the truth, not just this week, but every week. You can't do any of this without God. Like, yeah, th this may sound like some good psychology to you, and it's it sounds logical, and it sounds reasonable, and... Yeah, it may make a lot of sense to you, but here's the key truth. You can't accomplish any of it without God. Your willpower, your self-discipline, your self-control will only take you so far. Like, if you really want to progress in any of these areas, you need the power of God in your life. You need God's help because your power won't get you there. I know firsthand, struggling with sex addiction and being addicted to pornography for years, I tried everything. I tried everything in my own ability and my own energy, and I never got free. Until I did it God's way and with God's power, I was unable to get free. And I'm telling you, you can get free. And so I'm not talking to those of you that love Jesus and, and you know, you're living for Jesus. You're just struggling and you're trying to figure out. You, you, you need process. What I want to do is invite those of you that are here this morning who have never surrendered your life to Jesus or you're not surrendered right now right there was a moment in your life where you surrendered to Jesus but for whatever reason you just you're not there anymore you're not there anymore and it's not just because you're you had a bad week I'm not you know if you, if you messed up this week this is not for you 
this is for those of you that, you know, you haven't lived for Jesus in quite a while. Or maybe you've never lived for Jesus. And I want to invite you to just pray with me. And the prayer is, is a prayer of surrender. The prayer is, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And so with every eye closed, out of respect, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come down to the front. And you don't even have to pray this out loud this morning. Here's the thing. You can pray this in your heart. You can take the first step in your heart between you and God. And I trust if you take the first step in your heart, you'll follow through with the next steps. But if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, it's time for me to truly surrender my life to Jesus. Or it's time for me to recommit to living a surrendered life for Jesus. Either category. With no one looking around, would you very quickly, just so I know who's praying with me, raise your hand and say, I'm going to pray with you this morning. Just right now, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? <clears throat> Appreciate those hands. Thank you. Here's the prayer. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, forgive me for every time I haven't lived for you. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. And now I ask for the courage and the power to live this out. In your name, amen. Now, if you prayed that with me just now, I want to encourage you to take an, another step. And this is something you do on your own. It's not a public step. It's something you do on your own. But on your connection card, there's two boxes. One says, I'm committing my life to Christ. One says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. If you prayed with me, we'd love to know about it so that we can be praying over you and just asking God to bless the decision you made today. Plus, we'll send you an email that gives you some next steps of what it really means to walk this out, to live this out, and to live for him in every area. Would you stand with me as we uh, close this service? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we know that this is some uncomfortable material. We know it's not easy, God, but we are fighting for people. God, you are broken over where so many men in our culture are currently at, the way they live, the way they view, the way they think. And God, they're, they're better than that. It's not who we were created to be. God, let us begin to see ourselves the way you made us, see the greatness that's inside each and every one of us. Let us know that it can be a reality. We don't have to accept where we're currently at. We don't have to allow our past to dictate our future, but we can change and we can live differently. We can think differently and we can put the ways of childhood behind us. In the name of Jesus Christ.